Hello everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to this episode of We Ask Watson. I'm here with Peter as always. Hi Peter. Hi there. So today we've got two stories. Um, did I, th- I think. Um, but yeah, do you want to ha- start Peter? Okay, so today, um, thank you very much by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, so today um, I thought I'd pick Roblox. Um, so the fact is uh, that Roblox is thinking about doing an IPO. So Roblox is that sort of game, the that, that very blocky sort of game um, that kids play. Uh, and in fact, my kids play. Um, and uh, it's I- incredibly popular. Uh, apparently, um, two thirds of all, all of US children between the ages of nine and 12 use this platform. So it's extremely, um, extremely popular. Um, anyway, they are thinking about doing an IPO. Um, they're thinking about doing it via a direct listing. Um, and this could potentially give them a valuation equivalent of to about $8 billion in terms of market capitalization. Now, um, I thought it was in- this was this was interesting because um, from what you know, I'd say from from what I've seen over the years, um, developers tend to have a one hit wonder um, and then they kind of disappear because they have difficulty, uh, extreme difficulty in uh, replicating that kind of success. So um, some of you maybe may not remain or may not remember this, but, you know, there was something called Farmville, which was made by Zynga. Um, you know that that was that was one game that was very popular. Uh, then you had Angry Birds um, with Rovio that was developed by Rovio Entertainment. Um, by the way, I recommend the films as opposed to the game because uh, the films are brilliant. Now, they are just you wouldn't expect them to be brilliant because generally films that are based on games are terrible. But this was pretty amazing, I thought. Anyway, um, so I think that um, so Rovio had that and way way in the past which you I'm, I'm presuming that most of the people listening to this won't remember this but um there was a game called tomb raider um which was absolutely massive um a long time ago and i do remember as a stockbroker um i took one of my japanese institutional clients to see um to see the uh, games developer called idos um who are the ones who thought of to and did tomb raider but again all of these, um, all of these developers have one thing in common: that generally speaking, they have a one-hit wonder, or maybe, a, maybe two hits, and then that's it. Um, and then they sort of disappear. They get maybe get bought by a different studio, or whatever, and and that's that. However, in Roblox's case, it's interesting because Roblox is more of a hub than just a game as well because people play these games they make stuff and then they show it to their friends and they share things and so to that extent of the fact that they are almost like a content sharing platform they are a bit more like youtube um but i thought that it was this is this is particularly interesting um as well uh because it it's almost um it reminds me of um epic games in the sense that okay epic games has got this clearly uh rather popular uh a game uh you know it, it's got really rather popular game uh going on in in the form of Fortnite. but 
its secret sauce, and I believe it's 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 key to surviving for the long term, is the fact that it has this thing called Unreal Engine, which games developers use to develop other games. Uh, and so when inevitably Fortnite fades, I think that Unreal Engine will keep Epic Games going. So um, to that end, I think that, um, say, Roblox looks quite interesting because it's a very popular game at the moment as it is. However, it is more of a social um, sort of sharing platform than other developers. And so I, I would have thought that it would have a, a decent uh, stab um, at surviving for at least a good few years, I would have thought. Yeah, I think Epic Games is an interesting one. We had a chat before this podcast, but we both found out something quite interesting about the Unreal Engine, in that it's not just used for games, but also recently for TV and production. Hmm. So you've got Industrial Light and Magic, which was originally uh, spun out of George Lucas, the producers of Star Wars. Um Industrial Light Magic have teamed up with Epic Games' Unreal Engine to help it film the new Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, which is a branch of the Star Wars universe. So this Unreal Engine is used to create digital environments which are then projected around the actors, which isn't usually a thing because usually the uh, the actors aren't actually behind the the set so it looks a bit less realistic but for this one the it's an led screen that gets projected around the actor to produce a really realistic 3d environment and it can produce things such as um light shining off the actor's costume and things that are usually missed by just normal uh green screen so this is quite interesting because if epic games like you said if fortnite does you know eventually fade out and they can't produce something similar or something with the same level of popularity, they've now, in a way, hedged themselves and diversified their um, business to account for TV and production, which is something which is unlikely to wane. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's a, very, um, a very good point, that, because I think that, um, uh, you know, they, all the, these companies need to obviously do well for the moment um, and, and make that money right now. But also they do have to have um, an eye to the future. Um, and, and that um, we talked a bit about segues yesterday. Um, I think that that segues nicely to your main topic, doesn't it? Yes. So um, industrial light machine is actually owned by um Disney. Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, sorry, yeah, Industrial Light and Magic is owned by uh, Disney and Lucas Films. So my story is actually about Disney. And... Hey, that was a good. That was a good link. It was a really good link. Fantastic I mean, link. so good that that no one would have noticed. No. Oh, I think that was great, wasn't it? Um, it's a good job we didn't mention it. It was link, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's fine. Um, so yeah, Disney in particular, Disney Plus. So we've seen today that Disney Plus um, is very much soaring, whilst the other portions of Disney's business are not doing too well, such as the cruise ships, um, theme parks, and obviously the studio. So the problem with this is, although Disney Plus is soaring, and the figures for this are 
that subscriptions to Disney Plus hit 73.7 million as at October 3rd, the issue is that it's still loss making. So it's not enough to bolster up the rest of the loss from the pandemic. So we've seen that Disney Plus has really benefited in lockdown from high demand and especially the timing, which I believe we spoke about before, but the timing of the kids coming home from school and the mm-hmm. launch of Disney Plus was was mm. quite good. Per- perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Even in the UK, it was perfect. It literally yeah. was on the day. Yeah, it's, fa- it's quite fantastic. But I think... Um, something to met, something to clarify is that Disney actually uh, separates its businesses into different units, and the streaming sort of content unit is called the direct to consumer unit, which includes Disney Plus, but also Hulu and ESPN. So it seems that the company is really trying to put its priority into streaming and the content creation, um, just to bolster up its business whilst the theme parks and everything else remain sharp. Um, so, but we spoke about this in the past, Peter. What do you think about this whole subscription fatigue? Because presumably there'll become a time in the, in the future where there's so many subscriptions that consumers have. Which do you think is the first to go? And do you think anyone's safe from that? Mm, well, I mean, I think that obviously the subscription model um, is very uh you know is very attractive from a company's point of view because it just provides a more predictable revenue stream uh, you know you can see what's going on you can predict it you know you can see it's coming month in month out um so i think that um you know it's it's very from the company's point of view it's great however from i think from the um consumer point of view so much stuff is going on subscription and i'm i'm saying this um uh, in the full knowledge that, of course, Watson's Daily is a subscription. Um, but, um, you know, I think that, that um, you know, there are so many subscriptions um, essentially for the same thing, you know, watching telly and, you know, watching films, that I think at some stage people are going to go, hold on a minute, you know, in the past I was paying for, you know, Virgin or, or Sky for, let's say, I, I don't know, let's say 50 quid a month. And the reason why I got Netflix was because it's really cheap and, you know, and it's got loads of stuff. But now I'm subscribed for whatever it is, $15.99 to, uh, a month to uh, Netflix. I've got uh, Disney Plus for X number of pounds. I've got, um, I've got subscribers, you know, to, for B, to BT. I've got this. And actually, you end up being pretty much where you were before. Um, so I think that what will then happen is that people will reach um, subscription fatigue and they will start cutting things out um, because they feel, well, actually, do I really need all of these subscriptions? And I think that what people will end up doing is that they will say, have a subscription to one for like three months and then roll on to the next one for three months and and just do it like that. And if that's the case, um, I think that the next step, I mean, we're talking a few years out here, right? I mean, we're, we're not talking in the next six months. I mean, I'm talking about in, in the years to come. Um, I would then have thought that the next logical step is for um, these uh, streamers to consolidate mm-hmm. because then you can consolidate the content, um, makes it more of a, a compelling proposition. Um, so, yeah. So ultimately, 
I reckon that this whole thing will go full circle within the next five, I'd say, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I mean, I would have thought it's possible within the next five or so years. Um, because that's what will happen. I, re- I, I, I really believe that that, yeah, we, we could go back to it. So you're basically paying the same amount per month that you did when you were just paying for one subscription to Sky yeah. or, um, or to Virgin Media. What do you think about um, Amazon? Because I've, Amazon's different to, the, to Disney Plus and, and Netflix in that you pay for Prime, which I don't think a lot of people would get rid of or live without now. And mm. within that prime price, you get also the Amazon Music and the Amazon Video. So it's mm. kind of like a big subscription model where you get everything. Um, mm. do you, what do you think about them? Do you think they'll be safe? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that that makes them more of a, a difficult choice to get rid of. I actually think out of all the streamers, um, I think Amazon will be the safest because, as you say, people get... You know, it's like the, the the TV and the music and stuff for many is a nice to have yeah. um, benefit on the side of the thing that they're actually paying for. I mean, certainly in my case, for instance, I am paying for Prime because um, I do actually buy quite a lot of stuff from. Um, I was going to say Alibaba, <laughs> and uh, I've, uh, I don't know why. Um, it's you know, I do buy quite a lot of stuff from Amazon, so. And, you know, want it quickly and stuff. So that's why I go for it. So the TV and everything is just an extra thing. So I think if I were to go through, you know, the Watson's household finances (laughs) um, and try and sort of cut down on things, Amazon would be the last one that I would get rid of. Absolutely. Um, And I think, you you know, you you said something earlier, didn't you, about um, uh, Netflix versus Disney Plus, a subscription. Yeah, so... I'm subscribed to both, um, and I think we we subscribe to Disney Plus on the basis of just accessing The Mandalorian, to be honest. Mm. And it's only four ninety nine a month, so quite a bit cheaper than Netflix. So we thought we'll just do it, see what it's like. Now I, I can't tell you the last time I went on Netflix because I just gravitate mm. towards Disney Plus now, and mm. I just I just think yeah. Now if I had to choose between them, I would probably get rid of Netflix. And yeah. I think with, with Disney as well in particular is we've seen during this pandemic and it might be a lasting trend that uh, film studios are just going to go straight to consumers' screens rather than uh, use the cinemas or they have such leverage to do so. I wonder mm. whether Disney, because it has an established film studio and such key brands and content, whether they've got the studio and they've also got the platform. Do they even need to now go to the cinemas? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. That, um, And yes, it is unique in that sense. Um, I mean, I, I would also add, by the way, in terms of just an extra point on, on Disney is that um, I think that they knew that this was all going to be, you know, when they started Disney plus, which was, I think it was exactly a year ago. It was either a year ago today or a year ago yesterday. Mm. When it all started, they, um, I think the plan was cheap customer acquisition. So charge your four ninety nine a month, et cetera. Get loads of customers in on that tariff. And then at some stage down the line, 
once um, the numbers have reached a certain level, um, then they will start trying to make more money out of it. I mean, we're already seeing that with um, Netflix, for instance, which has increased its prices. Or I think it didn't it increase its price of the premium, I think, mm. um, very, very recently. But anyway, um, that's what they're doing. You know, so they did exactly the same thing. They came in. It was very, very cheap. And then gradually they keep um, raising the price. And the same is true, um, or is probably going to be true rather, um, for Disney Plus. So until it hits its magic number, it will, you know, it will operate on a very low uh, subscription price. But then I think, <coughs> sorry, once it reaches a certain level, um, it will start putting prices up again. And then that's when it will start to become um, properly profitable i guess so i think that in the meantime um the company is going to be throwing a lot of resource behind this um to try try to get it to a stage where it really is huge um and that people feel that they you know they they get so used to it they don't want to live without it absolutely and i think we'll just have to this will be something to keep an eye on because um i think at the minute we're at the height of streaming because we've you know we're all in lockdown there's mm. there's not much to do. There's nothing to do actually outside. Um, so I think once we maybe next year have a vaccine and people start venturing back out, I wonder whether um, there might be some kind of change. And I think although we envision this to be in the next few years, I wonder whether you've touched on this before. But it, come the new year, I wonder whether people start to buckle down on their finances and mm. think to themselves, I've just been made redundant. I don't think I can have Netflix anymore. Or mm. I, I wonder whether there'll be any change there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly one of those things that um, I, I, I do always argue, but I always think about this, actually, that, you know, there's a there's a lot of spending going on on stuff that people don't really need. Mm. I mean, I would argue things like, you know, think uh, companies that do like Deliveroo and Just Eat and all those all those sorts uh, sorts of things you know these are extraneous expenses i mean if you are looking at cutting down your household finances i think all of these things are actually quite vulnerable you know and especially like the the whole um delivery thing um so for instance I, you know i could order a pizza from um from uh uh so Domino's, right? And and I I'll get a get some sort of discount code on it, or whatever. I get um a a pizza and a couple of a few sides, or whatever, for myself and the wife, because you know obviously we're we're into having a good time and <laughs> spending the money. Um, and I mean that's about thirty quid, yeah. right? And that's not even you know I would add other stuff, make own salads and things like that. But you know you could go to M and S. And you can buy a pizza for four pounds fifty, and you know garlic bread a quid, um, and then, and yet and you know and yet your people are paying thirty quid for the same for the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that people surely will realise that actually that treat on a on a Friday night or Saturday night or something. Maybe if they do it a few times a week. It's actually a huge amount of money yeah. when you consider how much you would be spending on an equivalent weekly shop. Now, I mean, I know that sounds really boring <laughs> and oh, my God, you know, but but it is it's such a huge difference. And it's something that I think means that 
although although you know you you got your d- likes of Gusto and uh, Hello Fresh as well, I lump them in with um, with all the takeaway people because I think that's to me that's what that's what they are basically. Um, that I think that they will potentially be quite vulnerable in the in the new year if people are deciding to um, to be more careful on their finances. Yeah, I, I agreed. I, I didn't think about it like that, but I think that's so true. It's a huge expense. Um, so yeah. Brilliant. But there we go. We just we've covered we've covered movies. We've covered we've covered games. We've covered uh, we've covered you know takeaways. Um, you know, there you go. I mean, the, this this is hopefully the the value um, that people are getting from this podcast is just over overflowing. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but you've, we've given you so much today, and you know what? You get to hear us again later as well on the weekly Whee! podcast. Whee! <laughs> So yeah, so it's good. Um, so it's really good. So um, so yeah, thank you very much for your time. Um, always brilliant. Um, and just to say, have a have a great day, everyone. Uh, and until until I, we we talk again. <laughs> um, but um, but anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, just thank you, thank you very much. Thank you as well, Peter. I'll speak to you in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, See you then. Bye.